thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Make Una listen. Okay. Okay, make Ayan. Yeah. I day campe. God done butter my bread. Yeah. Yeah, okay, thank you. Now, some of you are feeling very, very left out. Okay? So, can anyone tell me what I just said? Sorry? Listen up. Yeah. Come on, more than that. That's a lot of words. God has blessed me. Yeah. I like that. God done butter my bread. I like that. That's good. Okay. I think we should adapt that one. Okay. Guten Morgen. Ich heiße Johnny. Wie geht es dir? Wo wohnst du? Yeah, 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 okay. For those of you who've got a simple grasp of GCSE German, then uh, that was my name is Johnny. Good morning, my name is Johnny. Uh, how are you and where do you live? Peto quero estar junto aos teus pés. Yeah? You draw me close to you, never let me go. That's a bit weird, and I'm saying that to you. Dobri ranok. Yakti so hodni. I've not got a clue what you've said. <laughs> I'm guessing, I said good morning, how are you, I think. And you've said good morning, are you okay as well or something? Yeah, thank you, very good, okay. You're getting the idea, aren't you? Okay. Ni hao ma, mama hoo hoo. Apparently that means tiger, tiger, horse, horse. But anyway. <laughs> if you were Del Boy, it's com si, com sa. But anyway, okay. You might have guessed that what I've just done, I'm really sorry I didn't have any tagalog to share this morning. And uh, if there's anyone feeling missed out, I'm really sorry. But if you're from uh, Liverpool, all right then, great. Um, okay. This morning, we're on our penultimate um, sermon, if you like, on the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, I want to remind us as we start off that the gifts of the Spirit are all soli deo gloria. Okay. Now, some of you are still thinking, what does that mean? So if you don't learn anything today, or if you're not doing anything, then basically you'll learn a new word, okay? Or three new words, soli deo gloria. It was often used by Johann Sebastian Bach. It was used by Haydn. Um, and it basically means for the glory of God alone. Solis deo gloria. For the glory of God alone. So when we look at the gifts of the Spirit... One of the reasons Paul wrote his letter to the Corinthians was they were going to excess to the wrong way. And actually, they were excessively generous, but they were also excessively trying to outdo one another. But the whole point of the gifts of the Spirit, and actually, the whole point of everything is solis deo gloria, for the glory of God alone. For the glory of God alone. As we look at all the gifts, the thread that runs through the middle of it all is that phrase. They are all 
for the glory of God. And unfortunately, many, many times they've been used to glorify people. And as we look at the gifts, we skim over some of them because some of them make us feel a bit uncomfortable. Or some of them we think, well, we can't explain them, so let's just ignore them. Or we can't possibly talk about that because I've no experience of it. Maybe it's because we just don't understand them, or maybe it's because we were brought up to ignore them and just don't ask too many questions. I want to read you the verses that we've read a few times over the last few weeks from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 11. They're not the only verses we're going to read today. But 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 11 say this. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one as he determines. Last week, Donna did a fantastic job of sharing and communicating the work that he's doing as church through CAP, but also linking that to the spiritual gifts. There was special mention, wasn't there, to administration, leadership, hospitality, helps and more. And if you've got the newsletter, you'll see we are looking for a part-time administrator. So if you have the gift of administration, then please contact us. But as we read these verses in 1 Corinthians, we see some spectacular gifts. Yeah, would you agree? Pretty spectacular things are mentioned. And actually... We see some that cause confusion and controversy. So I thought it was good to look at these gifts last before we wrap up the series next week. And uh, as I said at the beginning of the whole series, you might go away going, you've not gone far enough, Johnny. Or you might say, oh, Johnny, I didn't get any of that. And if you're here this morning, it's your first time. If you're new to church, then some of the stuff from this passage is quite confusing. So I'm going to go through about three of them. And we're going to try and unpack them. And I just want to share some of my personal experience of some of these gifts this morning. So the first one that's mentioned that's quite a spectacular gift is the message of word of knowledge. So in other words, where God uses somebody to speak into your life something that they could only possibly know because God's told them it. Yeah, that's the word of knowledge. So if you look back in the Bible, David and Nathan, the story of David, when David went and slept with Bathsheba when he shouldn't and covered it all up, Nathan the prophet came to him and told him a little story about sheep. And David went, oh, that's terrible. That man shouldn't have treated that lamb like that. And Nathan went, well, actually, David, that's you. That's a word of knowledge. God told Nathan he had to go and speak to David in a way that actually made David realise who God was. Jesus, on many occasions, obviously we've talked about Father, Spirit and Son being of equal status, that they are one and the same, but just different persons within that same unit. And actually, one of the things that Jesus did was things like the woman at the well. The woman at the well was sat there and he said, go and get your husband. And she said, oh, I'm not married. And Jesus went, no, you're right. At the moment, the man you're with isn't your husband, but you've, you've got five before, however many before. Jesus had that, that ability because he was son of God. 
personally, whenever I experience this, well, I wouldn't say it happens every day. But one time in particular where I know somebody spoke into my life with a word that only God really knew, even Ros didn't know at the time, was when I went to uh, Soul Survivor. I've shared this maybe a few times. I don't know if I've shared it from the front. But I went to Soul Survivor at the festival. I'd already been to two camps in the summer, to Keswick and to Manchester camp. And I was worn out and I was really tired. I was really questioning whether I should still be doing what I was doing. Because my patience was very thin. I thought, I can't work with young people anymore. They do my head in. You know, people like Stephen Pacey and Alex Hoffin. Oh, God, why have you sent them to me to work with, you know? There was moments, in all seriousness, where I went to Soul Survivor thinking, God, you need to tell me to step away. And I went to a place where, as a youth leader, I could be prayed for. And this man, all he knew was my name. And I'd spent the whole summer telling off, I can remember particularly it was Stephen Pacey, but anyway, <laughs> Stephen and Dan Pacey in particular at Keswick, and I can remember thinking, I'd, I'd spent my whole summer telling off young people, and I thought, that's no good, I'm here to try and build up and encourage them, if I'm just going to turn into a grumpy old man, then actually I need to step away, and I went into this prayer room feeling a little bit broken and a little bit low, and this man prayed for me, and he said, I'm just going to listen to God on your behalf. And the first thing he said was this. He said, Johnny, I think God's saying it's okay for you to rebuke people. Why would anybody say that? Other than the fact that God said you need to tell Johnny it's okay. That's my personal experience of one. There's a few others. I wouldn't be stood here today if it wasn't for the people speaking to my life what God has told him. Now, they didn't know what impact that had on me. But actually, it meant that I carried on doing the youth work for at least another 10 years afterwards. And that's why I have no hair. <laughs> I don't know how Liz manages. You've still got a full head. It's amazing. But personally, only God knew what I was dealing with. I hadn't said to Ros even, do you know what, Ros? I think I need to jack this in because I'm just finding it too much. I can't cope with the fact that all I'm doing, because I'm quite a laid back person, really. You know, my kids will tell you, who would they, some people often say, well, I'd rather Johnny was angry with me than Roz. That's not true. Joel, is that true? Yeah. <laughs> but if I'm angry, this usually it's built up, isn't it, in fairness? So actually, Roz goes from 0 to 100 quite quickly. She's like my mum. They say you go after someone like your mum. Sorry, Roz, if you watch this, I do apologise. <laughs> Sorry, mum, for that slight I've just made on your character. But only God knew what I was dealing with. I hadn't shared that. I hadn't shared that I was thinking of stepping away. And it was mainly because of me telling people off. And what's the first thing that God speaks into my situation? When I went for prayer, you know when we say at the end, if you want to go for prayer, that's why we do it. Because actually in those moments, God might surprise you. I'd been a Christian many years. I'd been working for this church for many years at that point. But you know what? There's never a time where I don't need to go for prayer. There's never a time where I don't need to hear God speak into my situation. Never. If you think there is a time, and actually maybe you think, well, it's okay, I can do that on my own. I can read his word. Yes, we can. But how encouraging is it when somebody speaks out like that and actually puts their finger on something that only God could know? I came away from that week realising that God knew where I was, that God knew who I was, and that God knew what I needed. Is that not encouraging? Yeah. So the word of knowledge is an encouraging thing. 
it might sound spectacular. I don't think that man praying for me had a real insight into this is going to be powerful. I just think he was used by God with that gift at that time. Yeah? I don't think he then went on to develop a ministry where he went around saying, everybody, I've got the gift of knowledge. Come to me and I will break through into your life. I don't think that's how it works. I think in that moment, that gift was given to him to speak into my situation. There are others. Then it said the gift of miraculous powers. Wow, put your hand if you'd like the gift of miraculous powers. This is like the DC Marvel Universe, isn't it? You know, I, you know if you had a superpower, what would it be? If you wanted one, one superpower, what would it be? To travel through time. To travel through time, Liz. You say that, Liz, but I think that would be quite uncomfortable. Because what if you got stuck somewhere that you didn't really want to be and you were invisible and you couldn't say anything? That could be quite bad. To travel through time. Anyone, anyone want to fly? If they could fly? Teleporter. Do you know, I think that's the best one because it doesn't take any time, does it? You can just be anywhere. Sorry? No money. You can travel for... Th- I tell you, that, I think that's the winner. <laughs> Teleportation. So if anyone can uh, call with that, Jesus... No, I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> but we have a God of miracles. We've got a sign at the front of church. You might not be able to see it for the microphone stands, but that has come with us from the old building because somebody found it or bought it. At a, I think it was Lorraine that bought it. Wasn't it Lorraine? I think you, you brought it along back in the day. And it says, expect a miracle. We should come every Sunday morning expecting God to do something, you know? And you know what the biggest miracle is? The biggest miracle is when you choose to say, actually, I want to change my life. I want to follow Jesus. I want to turn my back on the old and become a new creation. What's a greater miracle than becoming renewed? Yeah? My daughter uh, is a midwife, and one of the things she says is what a privilege it is for her to spend every day that she's in work bringing new life into the world. That's a miracle. Do you know what? Every Sunday, we hopefully see new life being brought into the world here because God can change our lives. So the miraculous powers, you might think, oh yeah, Jesus was clearly capable at all times. You know, he could turn water into wine. He could walk on the water because he was the son of God. It wasn't just a specific thing at a specific time. But what about individuals in the church today? If I said to you, who's got the gift of miraculous powers I don't think any one of us would put our hands up. But that's where it comes in. Remember this chapter of 1 Corinthians talks about the body. It talks about the whole church. So I believe actually the whole church is a miracle. And God gives the whole church this ability from time to time. Let me give you some examples from my own personal experience. Sadly, in a world where people want to be followed and liked and popular... They may claim to have a gift that is consistently miraculous. But I believe this one particularly is more sporadic and widespread amongst his church when it's needed for solis deo gloria, for the glory of God alone. Because actually think about it. If one person was gifted with an ability to, to perform miracles, then we'd be better than Jesus. And actually, that's not the way it is. But so many people, you might turn on the God TV. And I just want to bear in mind that when you watch God TV, anybody can pay money to be on God TV. There's no checks and balances, really. So Peter Popoff, who sells his miracle hankies and his miracle water, don't be sucked in. Because that's not what this is about. That's not what this is about. Paul and Silas 
saw prison walls break. But what had happened before that? They'd been whipped, beaten, flogged, stripped. God hadn't pulled them out. They hadn't suddenly gone and battered off everybody. They had been mistreated. But in that one moment that God needed it, chains fell off. And what was the result? The prison guard and all his family turned to Jesus. Solace, Deo, glory. For the glory of God alone. Peter and John went to pray. They met a blind man on the way. He asked for arms. By that, A-L-M-S. Always confused me as a child. They asked for arms. So he held out his palms. And, they, and he shot them off. And, you know, that's not how it is. They asked for some money. And Peter and John said, silver and gold have I not. This is an old children's song, by the way. For those of you who are new to this, I'm not just coming up with some poetry. I've not got the gift of lyricism. Spit some bars. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Silver and gold have I not, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And what did he do? He went walking and leaping and praising God. Walking and leaping and praising God. Why did that happen? Peter and John were passing a man who'd been lame since birth, hadn't been able to walk. In that moment, God healed him. Solace, Deo, glory. For the glory of God alone. It's not like a superpower that's constantly on hand. I believe we as church have experienced miraculous provision. You are sat today in a miracle. It's a building, but it's miraculous. You know, the way this, God, this journey has taken us could only be God. Miraculous provision. As a family, personally, we've seen healing. Chloe, I've said before, was healed from a paralysis that she'd had for three years with no explanation. Roz had a temporary healing for a long time for her back, which actually enabled us to do some of the things she needed to do. We've experienced healing, but do you know what? We've also experienced times when God hasn't healed. Get this, he doesn't love me any less. It's not a slight. It's just that certain times require solace Deo Gloria for the glory of God alone. So those moments, if you look at Jesus' miracles, they always were followed by an outpouring of a, a turning to Jesus and also anger. <laughs> I took a group of young people to South Africa, to Durban, and we experienced three things in particular that were amazing. One group of young people were running a soup kitchen. And uh, in South Africa, there was a real sense of fairness. Everybody had to have the same, otherwise a riot could break out. And they were getting dangerously low to the bottom of the soup pan. And there was still a queue of hungry people. So what did the young people do who'd gone out there to serve God and to say, God, we want you to use us? What did they do? Did they panic? Did they go, right, we need to go to the corner shops and buy more? They all went, you know what, we're going to pray. And the amazing thing that happened that afternoon is the level of the soup didn't go down. Either there was a bottomless pot or it was solace Deo Gloria, because where they were working was to show people the love of God. And as a result of that, amazing. Another group of young people came across a guy in a township who'd been stabbed in the back and couldn't walk, hadn't been able to walk for 10 years, uh, you know, a spinal injury. That whole township where they were working were very entrenched with the, the local witch doctors, and they were very anti-Jesus. And this man comes and said, ah, I've been uh, paralysed. How, where's God in that? So they went, we're here to pray, so let's pray. 
That man got up out of his chair and walked. Solis Deo Gloria. Why does it not happen all the time? Don't know, but we can guarantee that if it doesn't happen, it's not going to be for the glory of God. And actually, sometimes there can be more glory of God that comes from the results of other things. I know people who have seen, uh, seen family and friends turn to Jesus at their funeral when people have prayed and prayed and prayed for healing, but actually as a result of the peace they've seen, they've seen the glory of God at work. So the gift of healing. I am sure that there are many of us in this room that will have experienced some events that can only be explained by the supernatural intervention of God. I'm fairly certain. If I said that, let's have an open mic and you can come and share, I'm sure there would be several people who would say, I can tell you, something that happened and I cannot explain it. We can probably point to how much more people have turned to God as a result. And in the list here in chapter 12, as we come towards the end this morning, is one of the gifts that causes the most confusion and causes the most controversy. It can lead to division. It can lead to dissent. It can lead to excessive behaviour. It can lead to people taking their eyes away from God and it becomes the thing to be worshipped instead of a gift that's been given. For those of you who've been Christians a long time, you'll know that I'm talking about the gift of tongues. I started this morning by speaking in several different languages. I'm sorry if I missed you out. If you're from Whitehaven, A up Mara, something like that. You know, I'm really sorry if I missed you out. But what was right in that instance was I could ask people what I was saying. So I'm speaking publicly to you. So if I'd have just gone through the service this morning and spoken in German, that would have been a miracle in itself. But actually, if I'd have just done that, the only person really who would appreciate or get anything from it is Tabby and potentially some other people who've got a good grasp of German. They started off with pidgin for some of our Nigerian brothers and sisters. I hope I did it justice. But actually, if I'd have just carried on in that vein, then most of you would have said, what's the point in coming to church today? So I want to address the gift of tongues. I started with foreign language. The, the, the fancy word for that is xenoglossalia. Okay, that literally means foreign speak. And those are languages that some here understand and are able to interpret. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 8 is the day of Pentecost, the day when the disciples had been told to wait for the Spirit of God to come in power, to wait. And they waited and waited and waited. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of those who are speaking Galileans? That's actually an insult. They're saying, how on earth can they know our language? They're a bit thick. Then, how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? So there we have an example of God filling people and others suddenly hearing them speak in their language. Now, that is often used to explain tongues as simply foreign languages. Yeah, we've heard that, that actually it's simply foreign languages that can be humanly interpreted. However, 
If you go forwards to Acts chapter 2, verse 13, it says this. Bearing in mind that the people who gathered and said, wow, how is it we can hear them in our own tongue? Acts chapter 2, verse 13. Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Some couldn't understand what was going on. So I suspect, and we'll come on to this in a minute, not everyone heard a language that was interpreted. These disciples weren't preaching at this point. They hadn't gone out into the streets to say, come on everyone, hear the good news of Jesus. They were exclaiming the wonders of God. They were declaring the wonders of God. They were praising God. And some of them were praising God and others around heard their language being spoken. But others just heard noise. Not everyone heard a language that was interpreted. They weren't preaching, they were praising God. If you go back to verse 11, it says, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Worship. So there can be foreign speak, but there's also a word that is glossolia. That means an utterance, partly or wholly unintelligible. Both words are used in the New Testament in their Greek form. A foreign speaking language that can be interpreted and an unknown utterance that's wholly unintelligible. Let's jump forward two chapters to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Verses 1 to 5 say this. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Okay? That's important to hear that bit. Anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, verse 4, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. So xenoglossolia is the purpose of a foreign language for people to understand. I remember one of our young people sharing a story of going to Germany. Uh, not them going to Germany, a friend theirs went to Germany to speak. And when they got there, the interpreter hadn't shown up. And they said, well, I don't speak a word of German. They said, well, just speak in English, speak slowly, do your best, and we'll just have to model through. So he spoke in his best English, his best, slowest English. And at the end of the session, people were coming to him going, that was amazing. Your German is fantastic. He hadn't spoken in German. He didn't know any German. But somewhere along the line, God had intervened. God intervened in a way that was miraculous. Chris Lane shared a story with me about how he took a group of young lads from Salford who were real interesting characters, I think is the best way to describe them. And he took this group of lads who didn't know Jesus, they didn't come to church, and he took them to Soul Survivor. And one session, one of them stood up to be prayed with. So Chris stood at the back watching this young person being prayed with, and he was like, oh no. The person praying for them is clearly speaking in an angelic heavenly tongue. Not, oh my days, this lad is going to go mad. This lad is going to just come and say, what was that all about? Why on earth has that happened? 
But what happened was the lad came back and went, that was amazing. He said, at first, it was a bit weird and I couldn't understand what was going on. He said, but actually, the more he prayed for me, I just felt God's peace. I just felt God's love. I just sensed God saying, you loved, you loved, you loved. Because that person was praying in a tongue, communicating with God and saying, God, I don't know what to pray, but do what you need to. So there are definitely two contrasts in the gift of tongues. And we can stand here today and go, I just don't get it. Because it's a mystery. It says that in the Bible. It's a mystery. But it also says it is a thing. So we can't deny it. There are many people in this church today who will pray in tongues. What we try not to do, if we do that, is to pray over the microphone or to pray in your face, because that's a bit scary. But actually, the whole point of the gift of tongues is to build up yourself so you can build up the church. It's not to build up the church, unless it's interpreted, because it's for us as individuals. No one understands them. That's what it said. No one, only God. And I believe the gift of tongues is actually linked to some of these other more spectacular gifts in that actually as we communicate with God and he communicates with us, he will give us a word of knowledge that will drop in. He will give us something that prophesies. He will give us something for some other people. And actually maybe it's like baby speaking for the time, say it first time. You know, when a baby speaks for the first time, they go goo goo gaga, goo goo gaga, you know? And the dad doesn't go, you stupid child. Talk to me properly. They say, oh, isn't, it, isn't that amazing? And then they're sick on you, whatever, yeah. <laughs> but it is very, very clear as I come to the end this morning that Paul talks of two different types of language. One of mysteries, which is for God himself, and one that is for the whole church. And as I say, I don't want to get bogged down in this, but we can't talk about the Holy Spirit without recognising that this is something that he brings. We can't deny or skim over and we can't say, I don't understand it, so I'm not even going to try. But another one here is for the benefit of the church. Solis Deo Gloria. If us talking to God directly in a tongue that is unintelligible glorifies God in our lives, then let's do it. If we don't know what it's all about, there's a good talk we can share on the Springmount Facebook page from Soul Survivor itself. But actually, I want to encourage you that actually God wants us to build ourselves up in private so we can build others up in public. There are some warnings. It's often chased after because it's seen as the only manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Not true. Not true. It actually says in the Bible, not everybody will be able to speak in tongues. It says that. Paul says, I wish everybody could. But it does say not everybody can. It's often used by people to boast about their own gifts. It's often used to make other people feel less than. So in other words, if you say, let's all go and pray in tongues. And I remember one of our young people, we went to a conference in Southport when Joel was very little. So we, did, we, were, we were heathens. We didn't go to the meetings. We'd gone for a cheap holiday at Pontins. Can't get much cheaper. That was good. But I can remember we went to one of the meetings because one of our older young people had come back upset from the meeting and uh, we went to see what it was all about. And the lady at the front was commanding everybody to stand on their chairs and pray in tongues. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> How bad does that make you feel? Because actually any gift is for the glory of God alone. So, 
I'm going to finish with some more foreign language. Okay? I need a translation. That's the right way. If I'm preaching and I use a language that's not understood, I need someone to translate. Okay? Eloi, Eloi, Lama, Sabachthani. Look at that. It wasn't just one person, was it? I'll say it again. Eloi, Eloi, Lama, Sabachthani. means my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Those are the words of Jesus on the cross. They're also the words of Psalm 22, verse 1. I find it really interesting that those words are put in our Bibles in the original language. <laughs> Why? Maybe something to uncover. But I believe it's because actually sometimes we need to recognise that there are things we don't understand and they have to be explained to us. You can be 70, 80, 90 years old and still not understand what all the gifts of God are. Do you know why? That's okay, because God's bigger than us. But I finish with those words. Why? Because if you've come this morning and none of what I've said means anything to you and you're thinking, I'm not going to go there again, please give us another chance next week. Okay? (laughs) But if you think none of this means anything to you, then know that these words, Eloi, Eloi, Lama, Sabachthani, are the words or the cry of someone experiencing the sin and the wrong of the world that separates us from God the Father. That phrase is the cry of somebody saying, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't struck. This is hard. Why are you not here? Cried by David the psalmist, but cried by Jesus. When did he cry them? They were heart-rending, gut-curdling words. He cried them on the day that he was weighed down with our sin. He cried them on a day when he took the punishment that we deserved. He cried them on a day when he was dying for forgiveness for all. So if you remember nothing else this morning, just remember this. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani means, God, where are you? Jesus did that so you could know exactly where you are. Jesus cried that because he did the thing. He went through the cross so you could know exactly who you are. Today, God wants us all to be in connection with him, yeah? We do that through the gifts, whether it's words, whether it's mysteries. But it starts by recognising that Jesus took all our pain, took all our separation and took more. Why? So that we could be connected. So that we could be connected. Not so we could lord it over others or show off with gifts, but so that he could be lord of all the earth and lord of our hearts. Solis Deo Gloria. I'm going to finish with some verses from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 to 11. And I think these sum up some of these gifts. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to finish by reflecting on some worship. But I want to encourage you this morning, when you look at the gifts of the Spirit, when you look at the New Testament, 
they were received by the laying on of hands and praying. So our prayer team are going to be at the back this morning. Maybe you want to say, God, I I want the gift of tongues. Maybe I want to to be healed. Maybe I want to see a God at at work. I need a miracle, God. And can I encourage you to go and just to receive as people pray over you? It might be a case of it, you just sense God's peace. But don't do nothing. This morning, if you need to get closer to God, if you need a better connection with your Father, then make that step of saying, God, I'm here. And others, our prayer team will pray over you, pray for you, and we pray that God will speak into your life and transform it. Thanks, Marie.